0: Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. People, do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. But if he is caught, he will repay seven, sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. He who commits adultery lacks sense, he who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse, though you multiply gifts. All right. Thanks a lot. Good deal. So, like I said, I've been away on vacation, and uh, so the past two weeks I haven't even uh, had to speak. Uh, and so it's my uh, pleasure, I guess, to be back with you and, and, and share again from God's Word. Uh, not having to prepare a sermon for the past two Sunday nights has kind of freed me up, obviously one week for vacation, but for two weeks prior to that, it's freed me up to um, really focus in on just serving the community with some of our volunteers. And so uh, it's been really good, and uh, God has given us a lot of favor in the community, and so we just want to praise Him for that. And uh, again, thank you guys for, for helping out with it. And uh, man, I'm just excited about what God's going to do as we move into the fall and things ramp up um, in this new facility for us. And so um, we've been here for almost two months now, and it uh, feels good, right? Two-month anniversary coming up. And uh, so we're, uh, we're, we're just excited about the location, and God in, in so many ways has confirmed that this is where he would have us to be, and um, part, of, part of that has been just the, the favor we have found in the village just a couple blocks away. And so, uh, again, we want going to praise him for that. Why don't we do this? Why don't we go to God in prayer and ask for his grace on uh, what I have to talk about tonight? Maybe you figured that out from the, the scripture reading tonight. And so, uh, let's ask for God's grace uh, in the message and for receptive hearts and uh, for his blessing on our time. So, let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. And uh, Lord, we just, we're thankful for, um, for the privilege that it is to, to worship you. And the privilege that it is to come and to uh, look at your word. And, and God, we're, we're grateful that you have given us your word to live by. And specifically, you've given us just such practical insight uh, in the Proverbs. And um, God, we, uh, we, we've been having a good good summer going through the Proverbs. I pray that tonight you would uh, just especially illuminate it to us to keep us from some real danger. And um, God, we, we pray that... Uh, you would continue to uh, be all over uh, this church as we just ramp up and launch in this uh, community and God I pray that we would see people come to Jesus we thank you for those who have already come to Jesus and put just saving faith in him we pray for continued transformation as they grow up in their faith and Lord we pray for all of us um, who maybe some of us who have been around in the faith a little bit longer God I pray that we would exercise Titus 2 and really really just pour into other people uh, we would exercise Second uh, Timothy 2, two that we would, we would disciple others and, and just pass what you've given to us on. And uh, we would also, in, in all of that, be growing. And so, God, I pray for, for growth in all of our hearts and um, for those who are new in the faith to um, just really grow up in you. And may tonight be a part of that. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you would take uh, this guy out of the way and that you would speak uh, what you want to speak. And so, Lord, we commit these things to you uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so it's, uh, it's summertime, so it's hot out, and so uh, what my family has done several times throughout the course of the summer is we've gone over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house, which is in western Massachusetts, and uh, they have a pool out there. My wife's family lives out in the Northampton area, and so they have a, they have a pool out there, so we we'll go out from time to time and, and go swimming, and for me, I get to you know perfect my, my uh, two and a half, front flip, just kidding. My uh, my cannonball, I'll perfect my cannonball, and uh, cool off a little bit. And my uh, my boys, you know, get out there and work on their swimming. But they'll slide their their swimmies on. What do you call them? Swimmies or muscles or wings? Or you know what I'm talking about? They'll put those those guys on, and uh, they'll stay in the pool all day until they're you know just completely raisins. You know, and uh, one one thing that uh, is is difficult to, for uh, for my wife and I is. Is the swimming part is easy because we load them up with you know floaties and all that kind of stuff. One thing that's difficult is is when we're not swimming, we're hanging out around the house and 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 we're just kind of hanging out with the family. And uh, because for Becky and I, my wife and I, as as parents, there's always that that looming threat of there's a pool out there and we have two young boys who you know they could sneak off. And how it works with family is. They kind of get passed around, and so you assume somebody else is watching them, and you just you know you, you never know, and you get very nervous about that. And so what we've done as parents is is we've done our, our you know our very best to instill in our kids the danger of the swimming pool, right? We've we've said, listen, see that water. If you fall into that water without your your muscles on, your swimming wings on, right? Uh, if you fall into that water, you're gonna sink to the bottom, and life is over. And we're trying to really like give it to them hard and instill in them a a real fear of hitting the water without their 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 swimmies on and tonight uh, my goal is actually very similar with you tonight I want to scare you because like my kids I I want them to live (laughs) and tonight I want to scare you I want you to be horrified because I want you to live because I want you to really really live and so listen to Proverbs 6.32, again, I'm just going to quote it for you um, from what Sindel read just a minute ago. It says this, he who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. You get that? Destroys himself. And so tonight we're, we're, we're talking adultery and I want you to be afraid of it. I want you to be very afraid of it because it brings about destruction. Now, as a parent, I would be completely foolish to just leave it at that, wouldn't I? Just to say, be afraid of the pool. It'll kill you if you fall into it. Right? That would be foolish to to leave it at that. Just scaring them away is is not enough because I know my kids and and I know their inclinations uh, to disobedience, right? And 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 I know human nature and you know human nature and our inclination to disobey the, the scriptures, right? We, we have this thing that, that we refer to as a sin nature or the Bible refers to as our flesh and we're fighting against our flesh and fighting against tem- temptation. And so we, we can't just leave it at that. I can't just say be afraid and leave it at that. But there's other precautions that need to be taken. And so back to the pool, uh, what, what we've done out there is there's a fence around the pool uh, also, uh, at at her parents have this sliding glass door that goes out to the pool inside of the fence, and so at the sliding glass uh, door, they've they put this bar that has a special lock, and and so we put that there so the kids can't pry open the door and get down to the pool. But but even still, with a lot of family hanging around, it's inevitable that that bar doesn't get put down from time to time, and so the kids can open the door and get out there. And so this summer. They, they went another step and they took an extra precaution and uh, installed this pool alarm. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but there's a swimming pool alarm. And so it's this, this L-shaped contraption that half of it sits down into the water so that if anything over three pounds hits the water, this piercing sound just goes off outside and there's a speaker installed inside so that you just cannot miss it. Now the question is, is this ridiculous? Are we being too precautious? Of course not. If you say yes, I'm going to be upset. We're talking about my kids here, right? <laughs> We're not being too precautious. These are my, my, my children. And, and likewise, I, mean, I just I wish there was an adultery alarm. You know what I mean? Like you're getting too close. Woo, woo, danger, danger. She'll kill you. She'll take you down to Chinatown. You're going down, right? I wish there was like a, an adultery alarm, but there's not. And so two things that, that we're going to do tonight like we did with the swimming pool is, one, I want you to be afraid because I love you. And, and two, we can't just leave it at that because being afraid is not enough because we have this inclination to disobey sin nature. So two, I want us to really to develop some precautions, some, some necessary precautions uh, for adultery from the scriptures um, because adultery, as it says, will destroy you. It leads to destruction, and we want life, and life abundantly. And so here's a good place to start. Um, you don't need to flip there, but let me just kind of give you an overview. We've done this several times now as we've been talking about biblical manhood from Proverbs, biblical womanhood from Proverbs. Uh, we need to go back to Genesis chapter 2 again, right? God has made Adam. And in and, and Genesis chapter 2, what's happening is God starts to bring the animals to Adam. You, you're familiar with this? And as, as God's bringing the animals to Adam, he starts to name them, Dog. Uh, giraffe, uh, cow, camel. And, and what he also notices is that they're coming to him in pairs and, and suddenly it, he gets it, right? I'm not a pair. I'm alone, right? And, and so he, he realizes that and it says, but for Adam there was not a helper fit for him. And so what God does, as we've talked about, is he creates a woman for him, right? And he creates a woman very poetically in how he creates her. He creates her, out of his rib, right, so that she is beside him in partnership, not in front of him in domination, not behind him in denigration, but beside him in, in partnership. It's a beautiful thing that God has done. And and let's think about the fact that it's a delayed creation, right? He could have made her right when he made Adam. They could have been made together, but he makes her in, in a delay, makes her a little while later so that Adam can realize just what he was missing out on, right? He makes her that way so that Adam can really have an appreciation for the gift that, that God has given him. And, and by bringing her to Adam a little later than the way he did it with the animals, it, as he's able to recognize his singleness, he's really able to see what a gift that this woman is to me. And so I just want us to see that God honors women. God, all throughout Scripture, has honored women. And, and, and really, men, so should we. We should honor women. And, 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 and we should be men and I preaching in, in a sense in this moment to the men because so often the men think with, with, with their, their bodies and, and women think with emotions. And so men, women are not to be used and discarded, but they are to be treasured and, and honored. And, and, and so God says it's not good for man to be alone. He creates the marriage union. He creates a man and a woman, and he brings them together by God, and, and he creates them as one, the first marriage and then in verse 24 of genesis chapter 2 he says this therefore uh, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast some translations say or cleave we're to leave our family our father and mother and cleave to a wife and the two become one and so god designed it for oneness designed us for oneness with a partner in first corinthians 7 4 says it this way check this out he says for the wife does not have authority over her own body but the husband does. Before you throw tomatoes, let me read on. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And so husband and man are are physically and spiritually and covenantally one, right? They are dependent upon each other, and, and this demands just utmost faithfulness. And 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 this is perfectly modeled for us in Jesus. I think some people think, well, Jesus wasn't married, so he doesn't really have a clue about this whole adultery thing. Jesus wasn't married, and so he doesn't really have a clue about the temptations that face us. But 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 he 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 he's married, the scripture says, to the bride, his bride, the, the church. Ephesians chapter five says this. Uh, in, in Ephesians chapter five, thirty one, we'll get it on the screen. For you, Ephesians five thirty one, it quotes that passage in Genesis chapter two, twenty-four, and, and listen to what it says. It quotes the old testament in five thirty one says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. But it goes on, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And so this mystery, this this marriage, was pointing people to what's coming. That Jesus was going to come and he was going to be faithful when we are unfaithful. That he was going to be there even when we were undesirable and unlikable. He is our example of faithfulness in marriage. And he, he loves us sacrificially. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us perfectly faithful. And so when we're, we're not living how we would like us to, he doesn't say, forget it, I'm out of here. He's faithful. When we're not, not pleasing him, he doesn't say, forget it, I'm out of here. He's faithful. When we're chasing after other things, He doesn't say, forget it, I'm out of here. He says, I'm faithful. And I think so many Christians i have heard this say, I want to be like Jesus. So many married Christians say, I just want to be like Jesus. But so often, some of those same Christians, when in marriage, the going gets really tough, and the other person isn't so desirable, they say, well, I'm going to bail on marriage. That's not being like Jesus, because Jesus doesn't bail. Jesus doesn't bail. He's our example. And So often when we're not getting what we want or the other person is not all that desirable, we bail. Or, like a dumb fish, when another flashy lure, some bait comes by, we jump on it and we're hooked in destruction, as the Proverbs say. It leads to destruction. We're we're eaten. And what you thought would make you happy in a moment, shortly thereafter will destroy you. And so I want you to be afraid. Be afraid of of adultery and unfaithfulness. And, and our, our faithfulness in marriage is not contingent on a spouse. Our faithfulness in marriage is, is contingent upon the example of the Lord Jesus Christ who's faithful when we're unfaithful. It's, it's contingent upon the Lord Jesus Christ who in Ephesians chapter 5 says, our marriage is a testimony to the world of Jesus and his church. And so Christians, even when the other Partner is, is undesirable, is unfaithful, is not acting the way you would want them to. We we stay faithful because that was the example of Jesus. And when we do that, our marriage, as I've said before, is like a walking, living, life-size tract. Remember the, the gospel tracts that you would hand out and give to people, right? We're, we're, our marriage is a tract. People can see that and they can see the faithfulness of Jesus in all of us. And, and, and He is faithful and, and we're grateful. For that. And, and, and so often, I think people think that with that person, rather than the spouse that God has given with that person, I'll be happier. And I, can I just say that the grass seems greener on the other side, but it's, it's not better, it's just different. Because with a new partner, here's what happens. With a new partner, you, yeah, you might lose some of the issues that you have in this relationship, but guess what? You pick up a whole new set of issues. There's a whole new set of issues. There's always issues. It's not better, it's just. Different, and, and, and on top of those issues, you also leave behind just a wake of destruction. I mean, just absolute destruction. You leave, if you're a man, oftentimes leave a woman in financial turmoil. If, 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 if you have children, you drag your children through some pain and misery. And some of you, you were a child who experienced that. Um, if you're a believer, the name of Jesus is unnecessarily mocked and defamed. And so marital unfaithfulness is one of the, the most weak and selfish and destructive things that we can do. And so often people think, well, I, I move on, all that junk is behind me, and I move on to a new partner, a new mate, new spouse, and, and everything's just just better. We're free from each other, we don't have to deal with each other anymore. That's not how it works, you know that, right? You're not free from you. If you have kids, and then grandkids come along. It's till the day you die, you're, you're wrestling through uh, visitation and, and who gets to hang out with who. And you, you, you go to weddings and you bump into each other. And so in a sense, you're really still married for life. I have a friend who this guy, his wife, left him for another man. And, and this guy and his wife didn't have babies, but they had a dog. That they, the dog was their baby. I mean, just massive German shepherd, and they would hold this thing. They just love this thing and rest roll on the ground with this this dog, treat it like their child. Now that they're divorced, have you ever heard of doggy dual custody? I mean doggy joint custody, these guys have it, and they have visiting hours and they have to trade the doggy off, and so they have to say, well, he's got worms, and so let me talk about the meds. And they thought that she thought she would get away from this man, and they're they're linked for the life of the dog, right? And so there are, let me just say this, there are some biblical exceptions. However, they're very, 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 very rare. And I think every Christian who, who wants to file for divorce, every Christian thinks, well, I'm, da- I'm that exception. I'm, I'm that uh, exception, and you're probably not. Probably what you need is biblical counseling. Probably what you need is, is someone to walk through it with you. With, with a cracked Bible, not sharing here's my opinion, but here's God's opinion on the matter, and I think that's what we we need, and somebody also with a compassionate heart, and so destruction and complication and unrealized dreams of a better tomorrow, that's really what waits on the other side if you say, I want to leave this partner and move on uh, it's not what you think it is, and so as a church, here's, here's one thing that I want you to know, as a church, we value marriage, we value family. We highly, highly, highly esteem it. One of our values as a, as a church is that the marriage and family unit is to be highly honored. That's, that's just a key value in, in our DNA. And I want you to listen to Hebrews 13.4. You don't have to flip there. I'm going to just read it to you quickly. It says this, let the marriage be held in honor among all and let marriage the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and Adultery. So, according to this this verse, who is supposed to honor the marriage union? It says all, not just the married people, but all are to honor the marriage union. All of us are to be thinking about marriage and seeing marriage and saying, "How can I honor marriage, even if I am am single?" And and many of you are. We're all to honor. And notice that it says because God will judge what? It says God will judge the sexually moral, and God will judge. The adulterous. And so let's, let's make sure that we see that these are two different sins that are both linked to, to marriage. Right? Adultery is, is, is when you're unfaithful to a, a spouse. Sexual immorality, uh, which comes from that Greek word pornos, and, and sexual immorality really speaks to any sexual activity outside of marriage where God created it to be in, in, enjoyed. And so sexual immorality, though you're, you're not married, you may be engaging in sexual immorality, which speaks to premarital sex, extramarital sex. It, it speaks to fooling around with someone. It speaks to homosexuality. It speaks to pornography of any form. So not just videos and pictures, but pornography of, of seeing a person who's walking down the sidewalk and letting that for yourself uh, create pleasure. And, and, and so that's sexual immorality. It's, it's a way that we dishonor Marriage, and, and if you're participating in these things prior to marriage, what it does is it hinders your, your future marriage. And so we have both sexual immorality and adultery linked to marriage. And so I want you to know that if, if you're single today, and many in this room are single, this message is for you too because you're thinking ahead to future marriage. You're thinking, how can I honor and esteem marriage right now? And, 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 and so I, I do want to be careful when covering the, this topic of adultery, and and I want to be careful when covering the topic of of sexual intimacy, because I think it's, it's very easy for people to leave the church hearing it's a bad thing, it's a bad thing, it's a bad thing, when in fact it's an incredible gift of God. Our kids should not grow up hearing that it's the forbidden fruit, that it's this awful thing, but our kids should grow up finding out that it's a beautiful gift that God has given for us to engage in. Not just procreation, but enjoyment and worship until death do us part in, in marriage. And so we are to, those of you who are single, anticipate it. And you are to protect it. And we are to honor it and to treasure it. And so we're a church that's going to honor marriage. And so so just kind of, that, that for, for you there, that's the, the fear piece. Is that this is something that's beautiful that God has given us, but you can destroy it. And you can destroy marriage. And so there's, there's the, the fear Peace, immorality, and, and adultery will destroy your marriage and, and your, 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 your life in many ways. And it's very harmful. Um, things are enticing and will draw you in, but in the end will destroy. And I think our scripture reading, uh, it's a read from Proverbs chapter 6, really says it best. It says, if you play with fire, you're going to get burnt. If you walk on hot coals, you're going to be scorched. So it goes on, it also says that a thief, even if he steals because he's hungry... He says, his punishment will be sevenfold. So if you can imagine a a hungry thief who people say, well, he's hungry, that's why he's stealing. You can imagine, the the Bible says, how much worse the judgment will be than for the person who is an adulterer, who is unfaithful. You will destroy yourself. And it says, you lack common sense. And and one thing in in Proverbs chapter 6 that I think is very important for us to notice is this, is, is that it's written from father and mother. Most of the Proverbs, the first half of the Proverbs or so, or the first third of the Proverbs, are written from father to son. This one is unique in that it's written from father and mother. And, and the example here is that uh, God-honoring, healthy, vibrant marriage should be translated then into the lives of, the, of, of your children. It, it's, it's difficult for a single mother to communicate that to a child. It's difficult for a single father. To communicate that to a child. But what should actually happen. Is boys should grow up. Hearing about marriage. From, from dad. And girls should grow up. Hearing about marriage from mom. And boys should grow up. Hearing about marriage from mom as well. And girls should grow up. Hearing about marriage. From, from dad as well. And, 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 and boys should grow up. Wanting to marry someone like mom. And, 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 and should grow up. Uh, wanting to, to be. Uh, a wife like uh, mother women should and, and men should grow up wanting to marry someone like their mother and wanting to be the kind of husband that their, their dad is and, 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 and so we need to see that the mother and the father are so crucial in this and communication between parents and uh, between the parents and to the children is so vital it's, it's so unbelievably vital our, our conversation needs to move beyond just how was school or that was a great hit at the baseball game today it needs to move so much deeper into marriage and family, and I'm already finding this uh, uh, fun with my, my boys at three and four years old, I, I, I get to talk to the boys a little bit about how you don't talk to mom like that, because one day, God's going to give you a woman, and if you talk to her like that, right? and as I get to tell my kids that, and as I talk to my kids about marriage, even at a young age, Isaiah, my four-year-old, says, well, I want to marry Emma, I'm like, why do you want to marry Emma? He goes, well, because she likes Spider-Man, okay, like, well, that's, that's a good point, that makes, that makes sense, so he's all about, he's all about marriage already. Um, Proverbs 6 from Mom and Dad, and, and we, should, we should really see that it's important to talk to children, Mom and Dad, about marriage and, and, and walk along the way of life with them and really coach them in it. Now we move into Proverbs 7, our, our primary text for today, and this one's from Dad. And here's what Dad does here Dad gives some precautions. And I told you, we're not just going to scare you, but we're going to give you some precautions and, and some, some measures. To take, And so I want you to be afraid of adultery. I want you to be afraid of the pool and staying far away from the edge. But, but I also want you to, to receive tonight just some, some practical precautionary measures to take to protect marriage if you're in marriage and if you're not married as you move towards marriage. And so we're going to read Proverbs 7 just piece by piece and uh, should be good. Proverbs 7, listen to 1 through 5. Proverbs 7, 1 through 5, he says this. He says, my son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live as opposed to be destroyed. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call inside your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth, smooth Words and, and we'll stop there and talk for a little while. So, with all the proverbs up to this point, we have a father speaking to his son with that loving, caring, protective love. And and here he says, "Son, this is important stuff. Hold this wisdom close to you as a sister, as a as a friend. It will keep you from that forbidden woman. It will it will keep you from that adulteress with her smooth, enticing words." And he's saying, "Son, listen. I love you. I care for you. I want you to live. And so let me tell you about the dangers that can really." harm you. And he's not simply going to say, son, it's going to kill you, it'll hurt you, but he also says, son, I, w- I want you to see what has led to this. And so now what he does in the following verses is he begins to tell a story. He starts to, to tell him something that he has seen as, as the father has looked out his window through the lattice down to the, the street. Here's what he has seen. And so let's take it piece by piece and walk through this story. And, and from this story, what we're going to glean is is, is Five precautions to protect your marriage. Five precautions to protect your marriage. And uh, we're going to just learn from some mistakes that this young man made. First one is this. Examine your roads. Look at verses 6 through 9. Examine your roads. Here's what it is. For at the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. So examine your roads. Here's what he's doing. He's looked out his window. He's noticed that there's this young man who who just lacks sense. This young man is on a path. He's walking somewhere, and he's heading up towards the house of a forbidden woman. And in verse 7, it says that this guy, if you want to look down at verse 7, it says this guy is, is from among who? says he's from among the simple. says he's from among the youth. And let's think about youth for a minute. Let's think about the simple for a minute. What are they known for? They're known for their short-sightedness, right? Live in the moment, do stupid things, drive 90 miles per hour, and not think about the consequences, right? He's saying this guy is from the, the youth. He's, he's among the simple. He's just very short-sighted, too simple-minded, failing to think about where it's going to, to lead him. And I think really all of us from this text need to, to consider what are some of the potentially negative outcomes of the roads that we're traveling on, even at this moment. Roads that right now seem like not a big deal, but what are some of the potentially negative outcomes? Go back with me to the swimming pool at my in-law's house for a minute, if you would. Uh, with that pool, we had to, as, as we're, I remember when they put the pool in, my wife and I were, were uh, just dating I remember they were thinking through, because um, there were other kids that would come by the pool, they were thinking through different ways to protect the swimming pool. And, and they were running through, okay, what are the different paths that kids could take to get to the pool? They could go out the back door, they could go up the, the steps from the driveway to the pool, they could come from the, the, the guest place that they have in the side lot, and they can come out that way. into the, There's all these different paths, and so they had to think through the paths that would lead to the destruction of a child. And I think likewise, we have to think through our lives. Think through the, the roads that we travel on. And, and what are some, some, some paths that could lead to unfaithfulness? And I think probably for many of us at this point in our lives, it's just like it never would happen. Never would happen to me. Love my spouse too much. I'm so ready for marriage. When I get married, I'm going to love that girl. Like, nobody's ever loved a woman. Or ladies, you're like, man, when Mr. Hunky, Mr. Right Man comes along, I'm going to love that man. He's going to be tar- tall, dark, and handsome, and, and I'm, nothing's going to bring me from Mr. Right Man. I'm going to be so faithful, and we can't even fathom it at this point in our lives. But can, can, can you believe me if I say that, listen, no adulterer sets out to commit adultery. No adulterer ever said, I'm going to grow up and become an adulterer. They, they never thought that. They can never fathom it. And so we have to fathom it. We have to think about how could we get there so I can stay away from from those roads. Nobody wants to be an adulterer, but it happens because you carelessly travel on life's paths. And by the way, let's call it an adulterer, by the way. I know that sounds ugly. and Nobody likes that word, but it's ugly. It's an ugly thing. And so we call it what it is, adulterer. You're an adulterer, Right? I think so often we call it, what, an affair? It's not an affair. Prom is an affair, right? Going to a wedding, that's an affair. It's an occasion. Let's call it what it is. It's ugly. It's, it's adultery. It's not an affair. It's an offense against the institution of marriage. It's an offense against a spouse. It's an offense against children. It's an offense against your friends. It's an it's offense against the state who has certified you married. But more importantly, it's an offense against God who says, be like me, I'm faithful. That's it's an offense, and it's, it's ugly. And So how are we going to set up roadblocks so that we don't get there? Think through the, the roads that you travel in life. Some examples for me would be some of the roadblocks that I've had to set up. It's like, listen, I'm, I'm just not going to ride alone in a car with a woman. It's just not going to happen unless she's my wife or she's my, my grandma, right? <laughs> or a family member, right? I'm just not, it's just not going to happen. Because I don't want the appearance of evil, and I, I don't want any kind of temptation to ever come my way that, that would cause that to happen. It's just not going to happen. Not going to happen. Another one is, is maybe you just need to be very mindful and start to think through, okay, when I interact with women, guys, or with men, ladies, what is my posture? I mean, how do I carry myself, my proximity with the opposite sex? How, how, does, that, how does that look? What is the vibe? I mean, it sounds weird, but you need to think about these kinds of things. And, and I know you're going to be awkward at first, not knowing how to act around. But, but these are things that we have to, to think about. What am I saying with how I act? Would my, would my spouse be uncomfortable if you're married with the way I talk to this person who's not my, my spouse, right? You need to think through these things. Um, uh, another one I think, again, we're thinking towards marriage for those of you who are single. I would say this. Listen, if you're, if you're single... I think you need to make a, a commitment, and this might just seem crazy, but I think you need to make a commitment to never be alone in a home with a person of the opposite sex or an apartment. I just, I just think it's stupid. It looks bad, and it's just dumb, and I don't think we should do that. It's it's a roadblock that we set up. Sometimes we need to do some really extreme things. If, 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 if you're married, maybe one thing, there, maybe at work, there's someone who trips you up a little bit. And you, you're just like, this is, ah, man, that's... You feel it. You're, you're tripped up a little bit. Maybe one thing that you need to do is get another job, transfer. It seems drastic, but I am telling. I promise you, your marriage is worth it. Your marriage is absolutely worth it. Set up the roadblock. Maybe other roadblocks that you need to set up are, what are the roads in my mind? Where does my mind travel on, on any given day? A lot of times it has to do with what you're listening to. A lot of times it has to, to do with what you're, you're watching on television. You say, I'm not going to watch that show. I might be out of the loop at the water cooler at work, but I'm just not going to watch that show. You need to think very practically through how can I set up some roadblocks that really trip me up. What is the path that I'm on? I could go on and on and on and on with all those examples, but I just want you to be thinking, um, what are my roads and how can I set up some roadblocks? Because my marriage is worth it. My future marriage is worth it. Next section. Next section. Look at 10 through 12. Here's what it says, and behold, the woman meets him, so the story continues, she meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart, she is loud and wayward, her feet do not stay home, now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait, we'll stop there. So here's what we have with this woman, we have a woman who is dressed provocatively, women, you know that, right, you know that there's, there's such power in how you dress, Right, it goes on, she's wily of heart, or what that means is she's, she's, she's deceitfully seeking to gain advantage over men with how she dresses and, and how she acts, right? It goes on, she is loud and wayward, and it says, and her feet do not stay home. So rather than her feet being at home, where is she at? It says she's at the street, she's in the market, she's at every single corner. She's everywhere. And, and, and some men exactly, right now you know what I'm talking about. She's everywhere. There are women everywhere who it, it trips you up. It's, it's, it's difficult. And, and, and so I want you to, to know this, that, that, that temptation like this will chase you down. It, Satan loves to put it at every single corner. And, and I think half of the battle for us is, is humbly realizing that we're all susceptible to failure in marriage. We're all susceptible to failure, and the moment that you think you're immune to it, the moment you think never, never would happen to me, I think is the moment that you're, you're most susceptible to, to fall, because all the guards go down, all the roadblocks, on ah, never happened to me, not a big deal, I love my wife, I love my, my husband, whatever, and all the walls go down, pride rises up, and you're very susceptible to fail. Proverbs 18.12 says it this way, it says, before destruction a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. So right before you're about to be destroyed, you think you got it together, and marriage is destroyed. Now, one phrase that stands out very strong in this section is this. It says, her feet do not stay home. This applies both to women and to men here. In other words, while she's out at all these places, the market, the street corner, on the way, while she's out at all these places, where is she not? She's not at home. There's not a commitment to the home, and I think it's, it's really important to see that he's, he's pointing this out for the purpose of showing the, stu- the strong contrast. Her feet are not at home, she's at all these other places. Um, because when you're, when you're at these places, you're not at home. And so our second precaution is this, develop a strong home. This is a great precaution for adultery. Develop a strong home. Both men and women need to, I think, really do some serious evaluation how am I developing a strong home? Those of you who will be married, how will I develop a a strong home? I'll never forget some words from a highly successful CEO. And he said, he said, I reached the pinnacle of success in my career. I I was a CEO of a mega company. I reached the pinnacle of success in my career, but I was a failure at home. He says, and it wasn't worth it. He said, it just wasn't even worth it. And so spouses hear this. The, the less you're at home, the less sensitive you are to the effects of marital unfaithfulness on your spouse and your children. You get that? The less you're at home, the less sensitive you are to the effects that it's going to do to the people who are at your your home. And so we need to be home. We need to have a commitment to the home. And so what that means is we're practical. You might need to cut back on hours at work and, and make some sacrifices, change lifestyle a little bit. Maybe there's promotions that need to be turned down from time to time. Maybe there's golfing invitations that need to be turned down from time to time. Maybe there's yoga classes that you need to unenroll in, right? Maybe there's, there's less hours at the gym that need to be spent. These things in and of themselves aren't bad, but for you, if they're, 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 they're hours that you need at home that, that you don't have, you need to cut back. I mean, you just need to, to cut back. And, and they're not bad, but the, the, the balance between these things in your home need to be drastically disproportionate to your home. To your home, you need to be at home and spend time at home and develop, not just the home location, but the family unit, wherever you're at with them, we have to work on that. And so be thinking, what are some things that are really taking away from my spouse, my, my children, my, my home? And, and um, can I say this? When you're at home, be at home. You know what I mean? Like when you're at home, be at home. Like men. When you're at home, ESPN, I'm telling you, after 18 years and, and your kids are away, you're not going to be saying, man, I wish I watched more ESPN. I spent less time with my kids. That was a waste. No, it, you're not going to be saying that. Women, you're not going to say, I wish I spent more time out with my girlfriends. You're going to say, no, I wish I spent more time with my kids. It, it flies by. When you're at home, be at home. Be at home. For me, this means, I'm telling you, there's so many phone calls that come, and, and I, like, I'm trying to burn through my phone calls on my ride home. And uh, so I'll be calling, and then I get into the driveway, and I'll be on a phone call, and rather than coming in and and talking and say, hey, guys, and go to my office, right, what I'll I'll do is sit in the driveway and just finish up the phone call, even if it takes me another 30 minutes, so that when I walk in the door, they know they have all of me. I walk in the door, I bypass the kids, go straight to mom, because they need to know that I'm with her for life. You guys, you better leave and cleave and get out of here, right? And so I go straight to mom and love the kids and and hang out with them for the rest of the night, right? And and, and so they need to see that when I'm home, I'm home, I'm with them, and and I care for them. So some of you just maybe uh, you need to think about what are some family traditions that I just want to start? Around the holidays, plenty of opportunities for that. Some just simple, inexpensive, just regular daily things that you can do. For me, it's... I'm going to tuck my kids into bed every night except small group nights, right? So I tuck my kids into bed, pray with them, sing them a song. Uh, most, most every night when we lay down, my wife and I will pray to, together. We make it a point to go on family walks to the park together as often as we can. Just some simple family traditions so that when we miss them, they notice. You know what I mean? When, when they don't happen, they say, what happened? I mean, that's like the greatest form of accountability is when your kids say, Daddy, it's been a while since you've tucked me into bed. That's a, that's a huge accountability. Develop a strong home life. And I'm telling you, when, you, when you're, you're less apt to look into the eyes of a forbidden lover if the night before you were looking into the eyes of your children as you tuck them into bed because you're so sensitive to their needs and how it could destroy them and how it could destroy your, your, your spouse. To so develop a home life that is strong. This adulterous woman, her feet were not at home much, it says in Proverbs 7. She was out on the town. And so one more piece of the home life I do want to talk about um, that you might be surprised that the Bible talks about is that you need to have a strong commitment to be intimate with your spouse. You have to have a strong commitment to be intimate with your, your spouse because it's a, it's a powerful precautionary measure. Let me just read one to you. I was going to make I'll read this, but I didn't want to do it to her, so I'll, I'll read it for her. Proverbs five fifteen through 23. Here's what it says. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. In other words, not somebody else's spouse. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Love her, uh, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of d- discipline. And because of his great folly, he is led astray. So you heard that, right? Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Rejoice in the spouse that you were married to originally. Let that one be yours. Enjoy that person. Let them fill you with delight. This can and I think should be spoken of in church. It's probably one of the most sanctified acts that a Christian can make because it protects your marriage. And he says in verse 23, he says, This man dies for lack of discipline. It says, this man dies if he does not do these things. Married couples, discipline yourself. Discipline yourself uh, to be together, to meet each other's needs, to satisfy each other, to enjoy each other. And the older you get, the busier you become, it becomes a bit more of a, of a chore, and so you have to discipline yourself. This is something that we are committed to, and it's, 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 it's in Scripture. Let me read another one. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. Here's what Paul says. The Apostle Paul says this. Do not deprive one another. Talking to, to married people about their intimacy. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. So don't deprive each other unless you're just trying to fast here. But then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And so, he says, unless you're fasting, don't deprive each other. Seek to um, satisfy each other. Otherwise, Satan can easily tempt you, easily tempt you. I think that makes perfect sense, right? Develop a strong home. Develop a home that is a place of security, that is refreshing for the family, that is comfortable for the family, that is a place where your family does ministry together, does ministry amongst each other, a place of intimacy, a place of love, a place where the Lord is honored, a strong home. And when you are committed to your home, you are uh, very uh, gracefully creating a strong precaution um, towards adultery. Let's read on. Look at verses 13 through 20. Proverbs seven thirteen through 20. So she seizes him and kisses him with bold face. She says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloe, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone out on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. Here's the, the next precaution. Do not minimize the offensiveness. Do not minimize the offensiveness of the sin. It's so easy for people to say, not a big deal. It's so easy for people to, to justify their sin and say, well, that person, is, my spouse is not meeting my needs. My, my spouse nags me. My spouse won't listen to me, and that person will. It's so easy to, to say, well, they, they cheated on me a long time ago, and so it's my turn. It's so easy to say that, that it's just one night. It's just one, one fling. It's just a slip-up. It's natural. No, do not minimize just how destructive, how selfish, how demeaning, and how, how offensive this is against God, your spouse, your children, the state, your church, your friends, it is offensive. And, 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 and here's what she does. Here's what it says in verse 13. It says she kisses him. She seizes him and kisses him with bold face. And with bold face. The Bible says, listen, she is bold. I mean, can, how can she do this? This is so offensive. She's so bold. It's so easy for us to say, my needs, my rights, my wants. And, and just forget about how offensive it really is. It's a bold-faced sin. It's an awful, awful sin. What does she tell him? Check out how bold this is. She says, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I paid my vows. In other words, all right, now that I'm back from church, let's hook up. I mean, is that bold? That's, that's unbelievably bold-faced. But people do this all the time show up to church, they worship the Lord, they, they read the scriptures, they put on the church face, and they go home to cheat on the spouse, they go home to live in immorality, they go home to look at pornography, they go home to engage uh, at work the next day in an emotional affair. It's bold, bold face. It goes on and it says, uh, as it's talking about the fact that she has paid her vows, understand that she probably made a peace offering at at the temple, right? She made a peace offering. And so, so what would have happened is, is she's insinuating, I paid my vows. In other words, so that means I, I offered sacrifices today, and so there's meat in the refrigerator. She's luring the man in with steak, right? I got meat at home, so come on over, right? She's luring, I mean, today I offered sacrifices. Just bold things. Today she's worshiping the Lord, and tonight she's, she's with another man cheating on her husband. It says, last night she, she's sharing her bed with her husband, but tonight she's made up her bed with Egyptian sheets and, and fragrances um, and cheating on her husband. Her husband goes out on a business trip with money to go do some dealings. And while he's away, she says, this business trip is an opportunity for me to sin with this man. Do not minimize how offensive this is to her husband, to her Lord, to her friends. This is disgusting. Notice beginning of the proverb they're out at night they're doing it in secret there's shame involved it's it's an awful thing see it for what it is here's the next precaution look at verse 21 with much seductive speech she persuades him with her smooth talk she compels him so here's the next precaution keep a careful ear for smooth talk keep a careful ear for smooth talk so now we've seen that her words have clearly been very persuasive and very very seductive um, of this man. And, and, and that's typically how it rolls. You understand that adultery doesn't start with the physical. Adultery starts with words. And so it does with this woman. And so since it starts with words, we need to, to develop a keen ear for those kinds of words. Words like, with the person at work, <laughs> you're so funny. And they just start to, you know, you're so funny, you have this, and all these compliments that come your way. Maybe it's, it's talking and you're not going to believe what my spouse is doing. And suddenly you've crossed the line and you're you're bad-mouthing your spouse to somebody. Or maybe it's, man, I wish my spouse was like you. And now you're starting to to commit an adulterous uh, emotional affair. And so be cautious. Don't simply keep away from uh, the the physical distance, but also keep this emotional distance as you need to. And admit to yourself when those lines are, are being crossed and when they are crossed, run, right? Scripture says flee sexual immorality run from those things but instead what people so often do is they get the compliment or they get that you're so much you're so much what my spouse is and they get that and it's, it's just refreshing and my spouse never gave me those hasn't given me those compliments since they were chasing me down trying to win me over right and now you're giving and it feels so good it feels so right and yet it's so so wrong listen to to proverbs chapter 5, 3 through 6. Here's what it says. Proverbs chapter 5, 3 through 6 says, For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. And so here's what it's saying. These words sound so nice. Words sound so great. They feel so deserved. But in the end, they're going to be bitter, and they will lead to Sheol, they will lead to hell, they will destroy you. What feels like a refreshing glass of water that you're drinking right now ends up being poison uh, to your soul and to your marriage and to your life. It feels so nice, men, to get those words of affirmation. Ladies, it feels so nice to finally find a man who will really listen to you, right, and not listen just to the TV. It feels so nice, but it leads you to death. Here's the last precaution, verse 22 and 23. Verse 22 and 23 of Proverbs 7 says this. All at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver as a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know that it will cost him his life. So the last precaution is this. Listen, never lose sight of the consequences. Never lose sight of the consequences. Hopefully I've said it enough, but it will destroy you. He compares it here as, as an ox going to the slaughterhouse. Like an ox, a dumb ox going to the slaughterhouse. Hey, baby, where are you taking me? Don't worry about it. Just come on, right? And do, 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 do. And just dumb ox going to the slaughterhouse. And, and I can't say it enough. It destroys you, your marriage. It destroys your family. It destroys your children, your testimony, your integrity. And one way that the scripture calls churches Church is to keep everyone's eyes on the consequences, is, is to exercise this thing that we call church discipline. The Bible's really clear on, on church discipline. It says that, that when, when these things are taking place, they're not to be swept under the rug and pretend like they never happened, but you're to bring them before the church, the Bible says, to deal with them publicly. And in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 20, it says this, As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. You ever seen a church do that? I've seen it a few times, and it freaked me out. I said, I do not ever want to cheat on my wife, right? So that the rest may stand in fear. 1 Timothy 5 specifically speaking to a, a church leader. So if I or another church leader are in this kind of sin, there is accountability on our lives that will publicly call us out on this before the whole church. It will not be in this church swept under the rug, but biblically brought before all, as the scripture tells us, because one, you deserve to know if it's a leader. And, and, and two, it calls the, the erring leader to turn from their sin. And, and three, so that you, it says, will stand in fear. It keeps you away from that thing. It's like me with my child. Don't go near. Don't go near. It will be awful for you. So that you stand in fear of falling and failing yourself. It's a loving, loving act. And so listen, man, I love you guys. And as your pastor, I I want the best for you, just like I want the best for my kids. As your pastor, I want you to live just like I want my kids to have life and live. I want you to live and live the abundant Christian faith. And and listen, God wants the best for you as well. And when he calls us not to engage in things, he he calls us to, to stay away from things. It's not to be a killjoy. It's because he has something better for you. And God has marriage in mind. Marriage lived in faithfulness is a beautiful, wonderful thing that can be enjoyed and can be fruitful. And you will have difficulty in marriage. You will. It will be tough. It's not going to be easy. People will walk through it with you if, you if you will come open about it and share difficulties and share struggles, even share your temptations with people. You can grow and, 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 and move towards a vibrant, healthy, abundant marriage. But to protect these things now, in terms of adultery, I would say this, examine your road, develop a strong home, do not minimize the offensiveness, keep a careful eye for smooth talk, and never lose sight of the consequences. Let's finish the last few verses, we'll just read them. Here's how he closes, he says, and now, O oh sons, so now he's saying sons, not just my one son, I want all of you guys to learn from this, he says, now, O oh sons, listen to me, and be attentive to the words of my mouth, let not your heart turn aside to her ways, do not stray into her paths. For many a victim she has laid low. Many ox have been slaughtered, right? Many a victim she has laid low. And all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. And so we get one final appeal here from the Father. He says, please listen. Please listen, my sons. Do not stray into these paths. Do not stray into someone else who is not your spouse, whether you're married or now. You stray into the past of someone who's not going to be your, your future spouse. And you engage in things you shouldn't engage. And he says, stay on the path. Finish the course. Stay strong. Faithfulness and longevity is what we're talking about here. Faithfulness and, and longevity. Even when it's tough, be faithful and exercise longevity. And the example, again, Jesus Christ. He was faithful to us when we were faithless. He was faithful when we were chasing after other things. He's our example. Remember, he created all of us for a relationship with himself but with our sin. We moved away from it. He said, I don't want it. I'm going to do my own thing. But he, in his faithfulness, pursues us. Pursues us. He says, I'm going to take care of that sin. I'm going to, I'm going to die on a cross on your behalf as your, uh, as your punishment. I'm going to receive that for you because I, I love you and I care for you. And I want you to come back to me. And so the scriptures say that if we will trust in what he has done on the cross, then we will be made right with God. And so today, some of us maybe just need to turn to Jesus and say, that's incredible that he would do that. Because I definitely have been an unfaithful lover of the Lord as I was designed to be. And you need to say, man, I, I want to trust in Jesus today. Some of us in here, Ephesians chapter five, eleven says, you need to expose what was in the darkness. Things that are in darkness, whether married or unmarried, you need to expose them, bring them to life. It means you begin to confess your sin. And deal with your sins. Some of us need to do that. Others of us in here just need to humble ourselves and stop saying, never happened to me. Humble ourselves and set up precautions. And then others of us today maybe just, again, need to see Jesus' faithfulness and trust him. Let me pray for us. God, we love you. We thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for the warnings of your scriptures because you have something so great for us. Lord, thank you that I'm, I'm able to stand here and and, and just be encouraged and, and say, I, I'm experiencing the greatness of marriage as you've designed it. I'm experiencing the fruit of, of, of trying to stay strong as a, as a younger guy before marriage. I'm experiencing that, Lord. I thank you for that. But God, I also want to be humble enough to know that we're all susceptible. I'm susceptible. So Lord, I pray for all of us that you would keep us from temptation, deliver us from evil. Lord, help us all to be humble enough to set up these precautions in our lives. Lord, for those who are in sin, may they, they see the ugliness of their sin, but also see the, the greatness of our God who would say, I, I'll take you despite that. And I want to I restore you. I love you. I care for you. And may you do that in people's lives. May they bring their sin to light and trust in the great God who took on the sin on a cross. Lord, I pray for every single person in here. Lord, may they, they experience marriage as you've designed it. May they be faithful. Lord, stir our hearts. Help us to respond how we need to respond in this moment. We commit these things to you in the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen.